Hi, I'm Pastor James, and I want to welcome you to the weekend teaching ministry of Sunrise Church in Hillsborough, Oregon. Sunrise is a church devoted to being a safe place to hear a life-changing message. Our vision is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so each weekend, we share a message of hope from God's Word, the Bible. Now, if you'd like to know more about discovering and growing in a relationship with the God who loves you, please visit our website at www.isunrise.com, I-S-O-N-R-I-S-E.com. Now, from there, you can learn how to connect with the God who loves you, grow along the journey of life with others, develop a heart to serve the least, the last, and the lost, and then learn how to lead other people to know Jesus Christ. Now, on to our weekend message. Like Pastor James said, um, I'm working on my master's degree at Multnomah Seminary. Um, My areas of focus as they pertain to the church are uh, race, gender, and politics. What that ultimately means is I frequently get unfriended on Facebook. (laughs) And I ruin family dinners. So my degree is good for just those things. Um... (laughs) All joking aside, it's, it really is a blessing and an honor to be here. Um, so if you wouldn't mind, I would love to open this up in a prayer. Um, Father, Son, and Spirit, we, we come before you, God. Um, we ask that you prepare our hearts to receive from you today. That you would prepare our hearts to encounter you today, God. We thank you for our mothers. Um, we thank you for their love and their sacrifice for us. God, we thank you for you. Um, would our time together be pleasing to you, God? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the psalm we're looking at today is Psalm 23. Um, it's a psalm of David. And the point that I feel God placing on my heart to make today, the, the idea that I want to unpack for us today is this. God's comfort is not in the absence of suffering, but it is in the midst of suffering. God's comfort is not in the absence of suffering, but it is in the midst of suffering. So Psalm 23, if you would read with me, a Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So David begins this psalm, this song, this poem, by talking about the Lord. 
Now when we read in the Old Testament, when we read in the Bible and we come across the word Lord, and it's in the capital L-O-R-D, it's referring to God's personal name. Lord can also be read as Yahweh, God's personal name. And so David isn't just addressing a God. He's not addressing an impersonal God. He's addressing his God. He's addressing Yahweh. David declares that Yahweh is his shepherd. Um, But not just any shepherd. This shepherd carries, the word shepherd carries royal connotations. It has a royal meaning. This shepherd is a shepherd king. Yahweh, David's God, is a shepherd king. David belongs to Yahweh. David belongs to the God of the universe. David ultimately lacks nothing. Because in God, in Yahweh, David finds his satisfaction. David is fulfilled by Yahweh. As a shepherd king, God isn't far from David. God isn't removed from the life of David. God is present in David's life. God's majesty, his royalty doesn't keep him apart from David. He doesn't keep David at a galaxy's reach. But he's there, present in David's life. As a shepherd, God is active in the life of his servant. God, Yahweh, is leading David. He leads David to find a suitable resting place. To lie down beside still waters. To lie at green pastures. God is leading David to rest. Whether David needs to rest because he has wandered away, whether he needs rest because it's a simple moment of God refreshing and restoring his soul, God is present in David's rest. God leads David to rest. As a shepherd, Yahweh, the king of the universe, leads his servant David down the paths of righteousness. God guides those who bear his name. He is faithful to them. He leads them in righteousness. It is by his name, his reputation, that God does what he does. God is not held captive to man's schemes and man's plans. God does what he does because he is a good God. God does what he does for David because God is good. Not because of anything David has done, but because of who God is. In verse 4 of this psalm, David transitions from talking about God to talking to God. Even though David walks through the valley of shadow of death, he fears no evil. Because God is with him. The focal point of this psalm is this statement. For you are with me. For God is with him. God is with David. This is the foundation of David's faith and trust. David trusts Yahweh because Yahweh has never left him. Whether it be beside the green pastures or the still waters, whether it be in the valley of shadow of death, Yahweh is there with David. 
With, with the shadow of death, what David is communicating is this darkness. It's this feeling of being smothered. When David is in the valley of shadow of death, he feels this weight being pressed upon him. He feels like he can't breathe. He feels stuck and pressed in. In the presence of a pervasive and suffocating darkness, there too is the presence of God. God's rod and his staff, the tools with which a shepherd leads and defends his sheep, they comfort David. David knows that in the face of a darkness that overwhelms him, God is there as his protector and provider. David is further comforted because he knows that God has a plan and a purpose for his suffering and his darkness. David knows that God has prepared a table for him. But not just any table. God has prepared a table in the presence of his enemies. The table that Yahweh has made for David is a table surrounded by the people who have caused David hurt and pain. God leads David through the valley to a table of people who hate him. To a table of enemies looking for a way to tear him down, to take his life. But David knows that surely after this darkness there is a victory and a triumph. He knows that his life doesn't end in darkness, but ultimately it ends in light. He knows that his life doesn't end at a table of his enemies, but it ultimately ends at a table in God's house in celebration. After his darkness has passed, David returns to talking about God. David talks about God's mercy and his goodness and his loving kindness. God's character, his attributes, they pursue David. God's mercy and his goodness and his loving kindness become incarnate forces that chase after David. David declares that he will dwell in the house of Yahweh forever. Through it all, God's presence was with David. God was present in David's life. Whether it was beside still waters, at green pastures, and of equal importance in the valley of shadow of death, at the table of his enemies, God was with David. God was present in David's life. So what does this mean for you and I today? When we look at this psalm from a bird's eye view, when we um, take a step back, we actually see this narrative and this story unfolding. The story in this song and in this poem speaks to the human condition. It also speaks to the nature and character of God. This psalm, this psalm of David is good news. It's a gospel message for you and I. The reality that you and I live in is this. We are sinners. We worship anything and everything other than God. 
we make idols and gods out of money, out of fame, out of recognition, out of personal safety. We worship our jobs. We worship our significant others, our spouses, our parents, our mothers, our children. We, We worship anything and everything but God. And these things, they fill up our time and they take and divert our attention away from God. And so just like David, when the going is good, we often talk about God. We don't really worship God, but we talk about God and we become fluent in God talk. When the going is good, it's so easy for us to say God is good. But when the going gets tough, that's when we begin to talk to God. It's only when we find ourselves in the valley that we begin to pray. You and I, we only want God's presence in our lives when we become keenly aware that he is absent. You and I only want God's comfort, but we don't want a relationship with him. When you and I are suffering, we want the suffering to go away, rather than wanting God himself. We want the benefits of God, just not a relationship with God. But here's the truth that I feel God wanting us to lean into today. God's comfort is not in the absence of suffering. It is in the midst of suffering. God comforts us by being present in our suffering. Being that today is Mother's Day, I think it's appropriate for me to honor my mom. Some of you may have heard my mom's story. Um, God teaches me daily about who he is and his goodness and his faithfulness through my mom. I don't just mention my mom today because it's Mother's Day, but she is the example of God's faithfulness in my life. It's because of my mom that I am where I am today. She has taught me more about God through her life than seminary ever could. And so my mom's story that I want to tell um, begins in 1979. Um, She was a medical resident student in a medical lab um, in Saigon City. Um, She was working towards becoming a nurse and a lab practitioner. And so during that time, the war in Vietnam escalated. And she realized that she had to flee the country. And so the family that my mom worked for was wealthy. And they decided to take her with them. And so this family, they sold all their belongings. They sold their home, their clothes, their cars. And they bought two fishing boats. Two small, flimsy um, fishing boats. And in the middle of the night, my mom and this family, they boarded the boat and they pushed off into the sea. What my mom remembers often from her time on the fishing boat was the thirst that she felt. She remembers 
her tongue sticking to the roof of her mouth. She remembers the coarseness of her throat. She remembers looking out into the vast expanse of water, but not being able to drink any of it. My mom remembers what it was like to suffer because of thirst. She remembers how empty she felt during that time on the boat. My mom would also tell me other stories of how during her time on the boat, um, their caravan of boats or convoy of boats would be attacked by pirates. She remembers these naked men who would paint themselves black to intimidate to the refugees. She remembers these men coming upon the boats and stealing what little possessions and food and water that they had. She remembers the the horror and the trauma of those incidents. My mom remembers being forced off the boat. Um, providentially, she made her way to an island and to a refugee camp. And there, my mom waited for a year for news of whether or not she would be allowed to immigrate to a safer country. She waited anxiously, not knowing if she would be sent back to Vietnam. During her time in the refugee camp, communist soldiers had received news that she had left the country. And so they raided the village that she grew up in, and they raided um, her dad's house. Her dad, my grandfather, was um, an official in the southern Vietnamese government. And so the communist soldiers, the communist party, looked for a way to hurt him. And so they looked for her. My mom had left without being able to say goodbye to her family and her friends. Providentially, again, because my mom had experience in the medical lab, the United States let her in. They granted her passage. And so my mom immigrated to this country and settled in Oregon with no way to communicate to her family that she was alive, that she was safe. By the time she arrived here, her dad had passed away. Years later, after settling into a career and a life, my mom and dad met. But they separated while she was still carrying me. And so she raised me as a single mother. Between working full-time and raising me full-time, my mom underwent a tremendous amount of stress. It's during this time that PTSD began to take a tremendous hold on her life. But it was also during this time that we began attending church. Um, the church that my mom took me to, the church that I grew up at, is actually five minutes from here. It's off of Baseline and Cornelius Pass, right next to the Walmart. And it was at this church that my mom met God. During her episodes and bouts of PTSD where she would relive her time on the boat, where she would relive the moments of panic at facing the pirates, where she would relive her time in the refugee camp, 
where she would relive the pain and agony of not being able to tell her dad that she loved him for the last time. In moments of reliving that pain of having PTSD uh, take control of her life, my mom and I would stay at different members of the church's house. Uh, We would bounce around from house to house. For weeks or months, we would live at a deacon's home, at a member's home. But looking back on that time, looking back on my mom's suffering, looking back on her tremendous pain and anxiety, when I ask my mom how she became a follower of Jesus, she recites Matthew eleven twenty eight. She says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. My mom says that the first time she heard this verse, tears flowed freely down her cheeks. She says for the first time in her life, as God spoke to her through these words, she knew that she didn't have to struggle and fight in life anymore. That beside green pastures, At still waters, even in the valley of shadow of death, even at the table for enemies, my mom knew that God was there with her. My mom was able to find rest. Because in her suffering, it wasn't that God took it away. It wasn't the absence of suffering that led my mom to faith. Rather, it was the presence of God in her suffering that my mom began to believe. My mom's life is an example of God's faithfulness in the midst of suffering. Because this is the truth for you and I. God's comfort is not in the absence of suffering. It's in the midst of suffering. God comforts us by being present in our suffering. This is the truth that you and I must cling to. But in addition to God's comforting presence in our suffering, I believe that there is a profound meaning and purpose to our suffering. God doesn't allow you and I to suffer just because it entertains him. We don't suffer just because it amuses God because it doesn't. But there is a profound meaning and purpose to our suffering. God allows you and I to suffer so that in our suffering, we understand this life ultimately isn't about ourselves. And and there are two men that have brought clarity to my suffering and my loneliness. They've brought clarity to the loneliness and suffering of close friends and family members. And this is what they say. The first man is Henry Nowen, and he's a Catholic priest. Henry says this. Sometimes it seems as if we do everything possible to avoid the painful confrontation with our basic human loneliness and allow ourselves to be trapped by false gods, 
promising immediate satisfaction and quick relief. But perhaps the painful awareness of loneliness is an invitation to transcend our limitations and look beyond the boundaries of our existence. The awareness of loneliness might be a gift we must protect and guard. Because our loneliness reveals to us an inner emptiness that can be destructive when misunderstood but filled with promise for those who can tolerate its sweet pain. The second man is Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German theologian and pastor and martyr. Pastor Dietrich says this, Jesus Christ lived in the midst of his enemies. At the end, all his disciples deserted him. On the cross, he was utterly alone, surrounded by evildoers and mockers. For this cause he had come, to bring peace to the enemies of God. So the Christian, too, belongs not in the seclusion of a cloistered life, but in the thick of foes. There is his commission, his work. The kingdom is to be in the midst of your enemies. And he who will not suffer this does not want to be of the kingdom of Christ. He wants to be among friends. To sit among roses and lilies. Not with the bad people, but with the devout people. Oh, you blasphemers and betrayers of Christ. If Christ had done what you are doing, who would ever have been spared? There is a profound purpose and meaning to our pain and loneliness. There is a meaning to our suffering. When you and I suffer, when we encounter pain and loneliness, how do we respond? How do we react? When things don't go according to our plans, when they don't pan out the way that we want, how do we respond? What is our perspective? Henry says that loneliness and suffering is a gift. It's a gift from God that we must steward and protect. Sometimes when we are in the valley, when our family and our friends have abandoned us, when we feel alone, loneliness grips our heart. But we aren't alone because God is present. God is present in our times of rest and celebration. He is present in our times of suffering. Loneliness and suffering is a gift because it reminds us to look beyond and outside of ourselves. Ultimately, you and I aren't God. And so loneliness and suffering reminds us that we need God. That inner emptiness is a call that that pulls us and propels us towards God. Loneliness is a gift that reminds us that all the things and all the people we worship can't sustain and comfort us. Only God can. But not only is suffering and loneliness a gift to remind us of our need for God, it is also an invitation for us to participate in God's work. Dietrich 
which says that the Christian's life is not meant to be lived only amongst friends. Because if Christ had lived a life only amongst friends, we would not have been saved. If the Christian only looks for his or her safety only, if the Christian's priority is his and her safety amongst all other things and all other people, then they don't really want the kingdom of God. They want the kingdom of themselves. Suffering and loneliness is God's invitation to participate in his work. God allows you and I to suffer so that in those moments, in that atmosphere, in that environment, we can love God more and we can love others more. God allows you and I to suffer because he invites us to love the way he loves, to love fearlessly and courageously. If Jesus had only lived a life amongst his friends, then you and I would not be here today in this building. The reality for us as human beings and as Americans is that there's this dream we're chasing after. Whether it be a dream of living in comfort, of having a nice job, the perfect family, a nice home, we chase this dream and this idol and this ideology of living a safe and comfortable life. But is the American dream God's vision for us? When we find ourselves in the valley, when decay fills our bones and death is all that we taste, does the American dream comfort us? Does it provide us hope? The paths of righteousness don't lead around the valley of shadow of death. It leads directly through the valley. Because God leads us through the valley. God doesn't just meet us beside still waters and at green pastures. He meets us in the valley. He meets us at the table of our enemy. God's comfort is not in the absence of suffering. It is in the midst of suffering. God comforts us by being present in our suffering. So this is the good news. This is the gospel message. That you and I are sinners, but God is present and wants to be present in our lives. The prophet Isaiah says this. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned Everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Like sheep, you and I have decided to chart our own course. And maybe we find ourselves in the valley not because God has led us there, but because we foolishly stumbled into the valley of death. Maybe... Some of us are living in moments of celebration beside still waters. Maybe we are resting at green pastures. But 
all of us are in need of a good shepherd. If you're here today and you could care less about God, because the question that you're asking and you're suffering is this. If God is a good God, why am I suffering? Why would he allow me to suffer? It's not my desire or my heart to be trite about your suffering. But this is the truth I have to offer. That you suffer not because God wants to be vengeful. But you suffer because it's his invitation for you to look beyond yourselves and look to him. So church, where are you today? Are you beside still waters? Are you at green pastures? Are you in the valley? Do you need rest? All like sheep we have gone astray. But on Jesus was laid our sin. He has paid our price as the good shepherd. And he calls us to find rest in him. He wants to lead us to places of rest. He wants to lead us through the valleys of suffering and death. He wants to lead us to the table of our enemies so that we can live and love fearlessly and courageously. He wants to lead us to the house of Yahweh. A Psalm of David. Church, where are you today? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Is Jesus your shepherd? Let's pray. Father, Son, and Spirit, we thank you that you comfort us not in the absence of suffering, that you don't comfort us by taking our way our suffering, but you comfort us by being present in our suffering. We thank you for being our good shepherd. God, we pray that for those of us who don't have a relationship with you, that today we would encounter you as a loving God, as a forgiving God. Jesus, we honor you today and we ask that you would lead us to green pastures beside still waters, through the valley of shadow of death, to the table of our enemies, and to the house of Yahweh. God, would you be our good shepherd? We thank you for who you are, God. We thank you for your comfort. We thank you for your presence. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.